Welcome back to the Sipping with Sin podcast, a podcast about stuff and things pertaining to gaming, content creation, horror, comics, music, pop culture, and more. Grab your favorite beverage and take a sip with us. We fancy this week, boys and girls, because we got the Red Solo Cup out. That's right. Red Solo Cup for the win. Get you a sip of that delicious beverage. Oh, yeah. I hit the spot. But welcome back to yet another episode of Sipping with Sin. We appreciate you all being here for another week and another episode, letting us grace your ear holes with our lovely, angelic voices. But we have a fun episode ahead. We got a fun episode. We got some stuff to talk about. And uh, without further ado, we're going to bring in the one, the only... The Dreadlock himself, the legendary Christian. How's it going? How's it going? It's good to be here another week. First off, Christian, you know, inquiring minds want to know. We got to ask the hot topics. Uh-huh. And it's directed at you. Why do you hate Evan Peters? <laughs> why do I? I don't, I don't why do you hate, hate Evan, Evan Peters? And why do you not like him in horror movies? And why do you think he's not a scream king? I don't. I'm I don't just coming at you from all that. sides right now. This ambush. Yeah. You did. It's fine. Uh, so, so to be honest, <laughs> I actually like Evan Peters a lot. I think that he's really good. I think so. The first thing I saw Evan Peters in that I remember was Kick Ass, and he was fine in that movie. He was supposed to be some comedic relief. He was one of the. He was the friend of of like the main character. Uh, and I remember after seeing the movie, I watched some interviews with him in it, and he was very clearly high out of his fucking mind um, after that. So that was weird. And then the next thing I remember seeing him in was uh, American Horror Story, like the first season, the murder the best season. season. And, and I thought it was fantastic. So ever since then, I've been uh, Evan Peters stan ever since. And uh, I think he's first doing season well American Horror Story, best it. season, without a doubt. I think it's definitely one of the best seasons for sure. I don't know if it's the best season. What season would you me. put up there with one? Let's see. Uh, let me think. So we, I'm trying to remember because I didn't watch all of them. After a while, they start to like blend together. But you have Murder House. Then you have season two was uh, uh, Asylum, was, uh, right? The yeah, the Asylum season. Here's the thing. If the Asylum season had a better ending, I would have liked that the, the most. It was solid to a point. Just, yeah, it just – Which it, a it, lot of them – I feel started, like a lot of them start good and then they just kind of shit the bed. Yeah. Like the thing is like with, with Murder House, the reason why that season is so good is for a couple of reasons. One, it was the first one of that that we saw. Uh, and so we, we, we didn't know anything that was going into the characters. And two – the ending was very safe, you know, uh, spoiler warning, but if you haven't seen it, so I, I'm about to spoil the shit out of it. But so if you, if you die in the house, then you, you're trapped, your soul or whatever is trapped in the, in the house forever, like on the house grounds forever. So we kind of knew where it was going to end once pretty much our main character started passing away. You know what I'm saying? Kind of what you were getting into. So it was a very safe ending, like I was saying before, but um, I did really like Asylum. Just, the ending just wasn't good. That's the problem. I still want to know uh, which journey, one thinks better in Murder House. Like, I'm really intrigued. Better than Murder House. Let me see. So, so the third one was the Coven of Witches, right? That was yeah, the Coven that was one. 
So the thing is, like, the Coven one was fine. I, I did actually like that season, but it had a lot of moments in it where I was like, I mean, is this necessary? Like, is this, do I need this? I don't think I need this. Um, but I did enjoy it. It was weird, but I enjoyed it. Then you had uh, the 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 Funhouse kind of thing, like the Freaks, I think is what it was um, called. Not the oh, Funhouse, yeah, the Circus kind of. Like, I can't think of. I, I'm pretty sure that one was called Freaks. Um, I'm trying to look up had, a list of all of them right now. Yeah. I think my favorite season is probably the one with... Uh, <laughs> honestly, it's really funny because this should be my least favorite season. Okay, here's, the, really here's your seasons to help you out. Okay. All, all right. right, you ready? Yeah. Murder House, Asylum, Coven, Freak Show, Hotel, Roanoke, Cult, Apocalypse, 1984... Double feature, and then the season eleven comes out sometime this year, which I think they've already so, said what season eleven was, and I, I actually forgot. Yeah, that's coming out on Hulu exclusively. I'm pretty sure. Well, I know Hulu um, has a, what is it? American Horror Stories. They have like a spinoff thing. Yeah. But so I, mean, I think FX my favorite season is Cult with Hulu. So my favorite season is Cult. Cult. Okay. Yeah, that's the one with the election and. Evan Peters' character is like a super Trump supporter. Yeah. And then you have, yeah, that, I think that's my favorite one because um, start to finish, you you, you, you kind of get a pretty solid uh, run run through with that story. And I like, you know, how it, how it evolves. It, go, it goes fucking insane, um, but all the seasons do. But I just remember having a lot of fun with Colt. That was the first season since the, since the first season that I was just like fucking down for the ride the entire time. Uh, I liked hotel. And I actually watched that for season. For the most part. I watched that season with Joe. What was that? I liked hotel for the most part. Cause I went in, that was one of the first things I've seen Lady Gaga act in. And I mm-hmm. went in and I was like, I don't know. This season may be bad. Cause I kind of was doubting her and she impressed me with her acting. And I was like, okay, you're actually not bad. And I was intrigued with that. I remember freak show disappointed me. Thoroughly, because it started so good, mm-hmm. so good, and it was uh, that's the season with Twisty the clown. That's right. And they literally shit on Twisty, and it just ruined the whole season for me. I was like, I don't care anymore. Like I'm done. Um, well, eighty four was cool. The thing, the, the thing with with uh, with Twisty the clown is he was they were they promoted him to be like the big bad of the season. Like he was the the mother. He goes out pretty early to too. About. Yeah. Which is, but, but that's what ruined it for me. Once it, like, they kind of ruined him and, like, finished him off in his character, I was like, okay, that sucks. I agree Cult. with you on that. Wow, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't have picked Cult for you as your favorite. Yeah, what would you have picked for me? 84, probably. The 80 um, slasher 84, style at a camp. Yeah, that one, that one would have been my favorite, honestly. But, like I said, uh, the closer you get to the ending, the worse the story got for me. I, I didn't finish um, it. So, yeah, it, it didn't end. I, I remember it ending and me being like, ah, uh, okay. Like, it just it just didn't end too well for me. And I remember that ruining the, the fucking journey for me. So, I also so liked a big this last season, Double Feature, but I didn't mm-hmm. see the second half. I only watched, um, I guess, the first half where it was – yeah. Kind of like a limitless pill. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Like you take the pill and you know, you have like, was it a, a like a hunger for raw meat and blood and stuff? Yeah. 
and you can either be if you have talent it like amplifies your talent and makes you like really good but if you don't have talent you literally become like a nosferatu zombie kind of or not zombie sorry vampire style thing just running around with a big coat on looking all weird um I was really actually into that part, and then I didn't see the other part with with the aliens. Like I, I stopped watching, which is I feel like I do that a lot with this show. I'll just stop watching. Like it'll start getting to a point, and I'm like, all right, you're losing me. I mean, honestly, that does happen a lot with this show. It's really easy. the 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 beginning is always the best part because it just kind of doesn't go anywhere, you know. So I I agree, and that's why Colt was my favorite because that one. That season kind of had a definitive start, middle, and and, and end, and I and I enjoyed the ride for that. Okay. But I guess we should get into yeah. To what I threw a curveball. I wanted to start this episode, listeners, by getting Christian off track because he likes to try to mess me up. So there we go. I do. Turnabout is fair play. But as I like to start every episode, now that we've uh, went on an Evan Peters tangent. By the way, I'm an Evan Peters fan. I think he's awesome. I really enjoy his roles, in American Horror Story, and uh. And in, in an upcoming role, or a role that's recently out there, or that uh, we'll be talking about next week, but we're not talking about this week, because I haven't watched it yet, but Dahmer, it's on Netflix. Uh, as of the time of this recording, I think it came out yesterday, and uh, I am beyond excited. Me and Christian have both expressed our interest in serial killers, and the pictures I've seen of him, dude, he looks the part. So I'm, I'm super interested. It's done by Ryan Murphy, who also does American Horror Story, so kind of all ties in nicely together, but we'll talk about that. Probably next week. We'll see. We'll see if Christian gets to watch it. I'm definitely going to try to watch it this week. Uh, but speaking of watching, what we like to do every week to get our episode is talk about what we've either watched, read, listened to, or played recently. So with that being said, we'll do it. And we'll let Christian uh, run us down on his week and what he's been into. Uh, as far as like watching stuff, like I haven't had a whole lot of time this week. I, I've been a little uh, busy with just like life stuff. Um, but I did watch more Smallville. Uh, I'm still on the, the, the Smallville journey. Uh, I'm into season five now. Um, what I can say, watching Smallville as an adult is such a different experience when you're watching it as, as like a teenager. Because when Smallville was coming out, like I was, I don't know, just starting high school, I want to say. Probably, no, it, I think it was before that even. But um, anyway, all that to say, watching Smallville is definitely weird now that I'm an adult because some of the shit that happens in that show, I'm just like, shut up. Like, I just want to tell some of the characters to shut up. Like, Clark does some really dumb shit a lot, and it's <laughs> it's starting to get annoying. But um, the actor, Michael Rosenbaum, who plays Lex, is like clearly hit his stride with his Lex Luthor character. Um, it, it's fun to see him do his thing. Uh, one of my favorite characters in the show constantly gets shit on, and that's Chloe, one of Clark's best friends. Uh, she's in love with him. He doesn't give a shit about her. Um, he's actually kind of a dick to Chloe. Like, watching it now with the 2022 lens and me being an adult, I'm just like, dude, just fucking let her go, please. Like, you can <laughs> Like, you can't be her friend in the way that you want to if she's very clearly in love with you. And here's the thing. Every single person in the show in Smallville knows that uh, Chloe is in love with Clark. And Clark is just like, no, we're just friends. It's fine. I love Lana. And it's, it's so annoying. Like, that that piece of the, of, the, of the episodes, the story is really annoying. Everybody has fucking kryptonite in this. 
everybody's affected by kryptonite and getting powers and shit. So you got the freak of the week thing that's every week. And like, that's actually interesting because it gives you a reason to watch the show every week and stuff. But like I said, I'm still trekking through that. Uh, I'm, I'm still gonna gonna watch it. I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. There's annoying parts, sure, but um, it's still enjoyable to watch. Uh, and every now and then, Joe will come in and see an episode I'm on, and I'll just kind of info dump on like what's happened. So that's cool. But as far as that goes, man, like I haven't really had the time to sit down and just watch anything else. I did watch Sleepy Hollow recently uh, to start off spooky season, and I watched The Terminator because no matter what anybody tells you. The very first Terminator film is a horror film, one hundred percent. Hmm. I mean, sci-fi. I guess I can. I guess I can get on board with that sci-fi horror. Yeah, the Terminator. You would just equate him to a slasher villain. Sarah Connor is the final girl, and Kyle Reese is, you know, the heroic boyfriend character that sacrifices himself to save to make to ensure the safety of our final girl. And he doesn't die at the beginning of the movie because he's a virgin. As soon as they have sex, he dies. So I guess I can't really argue that too much. Uh, I guess I'll I'll jump on board with that. I'll drink the Kool-Aid. There you go. There you go. It's great. So something love that film. You brought up starting spooky season. We we have a thing we watch. I think you and your partner do the same. We watch a different horror movie or something every night in October Mm -hmm. as to kind of like celebrate. And it's like a tradition we've done for several years now. We need to, I think what we'll do is we'll post on social media, like kind of doing like a 31 day challenge and post like maybe what we've been watching and stuff. I mean, get maybe people can respond, show us what you've been watching, and you know, we can have like a nice little communication with our audience. That's some spooky stuff. What do you think? I think that's a really good idea, man. Like, there's no better way, in my opinion, to, uh, to set the spooky season ablaze than to uh, watch a new movie uh, every day. And uh, that's a really good thing. And then to get into with you guys, the, the listeners, like I know you guys watch spooky shit too. You're listening to us talk about it. So tell us what you guys are watching. We'd love to know. We can watch the same kind of stuff and have a good conversation about it. I'm breaking stuff. It's okay. It happens. All right. So Smallville, Terminator. And that's been about it for you this week, right? Or do you have more? That's right. Um, as far as watching stuff, that's about it. I haven't had a whole lot of time to do much else. Of course, I've watched some stuff that we're going to talk about, but yeah. other than that, no. Okay. Take a sip of my beverage. Um, for me this week, so already talked about, I'm excited for next week. I can't wait to watch Dahmer. Um, super stoked for that. I uh, played a game that we've talked about before. Uh, it was only a demo when we talked about it before, but I played Metal Hellsinger on stream and Christian, I feel like this is a game that's like perfect for you. Cause I know how much you love the doom games and you love the doom soundtrack. You're a big advocate Absolutely. of it. You've talked about it extensively with me. So I think this is a game right up your alley. Cause it's a rhythm shooter and it's very doomish. Um, dude, the music slaps. The music's really good. Like you can't help but to like kind of just bob your head to the beat while you're doing it. Cause like, as you build up, like, uh, what is it, combos or, like, score, you know, as you're doing well, like, getting perfects with the rhythm, like, you're on beat shooting and stuff like that, it adds another layer to the song. So, like, you'll start, like, basic, like, drums and maybe, like, guitar riff, and it'll add more and more, and it'll build the song up, and then eventually, like, once you get up to, I think it's 16 times or whatever, it adds vocals, and it's just jamming out. Dude, it's such a good game. It's a fun playthrough. Uh, I really enjoyed it. 
But I've been playing that this week, and I really. Been, what have you been playing it on? Uh, I played it on Xbox. It's on everything. Okay, that sounds awesome. I think it, it. I don't think it's like that bad of a price. Um, I'm gonna say it's. I could be wrong. I'm gonna say it's around thirty to forty dollars. Like it's not a full, super expensive thing, and the story's solid. Like, you know, you're a you're a demon looking person. And you're just killing demons and stuff. <laughs> Demon-looking person killing demons. I mean, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to potentially ruin the story of everything. But it's I like it. Um, you have so the vocalist from then. System of a Downs in it. His nice. song is freaking epic as shit. Um, Trivium, Arch Enemy. I'm trying to remember these off the top of my head. Uh, and then a bunch more. Like, And it's all DMCA free. They even said they're going to release the soundtrack for it like with the full songs. DMC free, like use them on your streams or whatever. It, it was it was a lot of fun. I actually really enjoyed it, and it had like it was actually a little challenging in parts. I was like, well, shit, but super fun game. I liked it. Metal Hellsinger, check it out, Christian. I really think you would love it. I really do. It sounds like something I'd definitely be into. So I like as that. much as you like Doom. It's like that style and just slaying out the whole time. Like pretty much, you're just like going from one end of the level to the next. You slay out and kill like enemies, and then you'll have like a boss each level. Oh, all right. And a yeah, different I'm song each it. level, so it, it's cool. Um, other than that, I had a uh, an event we went to that kind of fell in my lap. So I believe we've talked about them before, but one of my favorite current bands out right now is Ice Nine Kills. They take two things I love with metal and breakdowns and all the goodness that is metal, and then they take horror and they put them together like an Oreo cookie or peanut butter and jelly. And make this delicious awesomeness. <laughs> and they have a crazy theatric stage show, you know, with whatever horror song they're talking about, a horror movie they're talking about in their song. And so it's a it's a band me and the missus have been wanting to see live. We we follow their albums, you know, we listen to their albums regularly. It's, they're perfect for spooky season. Literally like perfect band for spooky season. Um, so we've been hoping to see them. They come to Nashville, and uh, it happened to fall where we could see them, and they're actually on tour with uh, Crown the Empire, was I think the opening band, and then it was Ice Nine Kills, okay. and then Slipknot, who I am not necessarily a huge fan of. I was never a big Slipknot fan. You know, I liked them. I liked some of their songs and different stuff, You know, I, and I have nothing against them. I just wasn't necessarily a band that like was one of my big bands I would go to. Always appreciate what they did, and I have to say Slipknot live is insane. Like, those dudes, to even be, I think, we were trying to look it up. Corey Taylor's like 48 or something, 47, the lead vocalist. Yeah. Dude, to be their age, they're going hard as hell. Like, they have an insane stage show. So, they were really good. Like I said, they have a bunch of really good songs. Christian, they had the longest, heaviest 808 I think I've ever heard in my life. Damn. Like, I'm talking sounds fucking awesome. Ice 9s, 808s and stuff, because Ice 9's heavy. And so I was like, yeah, this sounds so good, because it was a bigger, it's an arena where we watched them. I was like, God, it sounds so good. I was like, I can only imagine playing with this sound system. And then Slipknot comes out, and they made Ice 9's 808 sound like a freaking clown horn. Like, I'm talking about this <laughs> 808 hit, and it would shake everything. It was just like, Doof. and I was like, God dang. Like, it was insanely heavy. Do you remember? Do you remember where they played in Nashville? Yeah, they played in a uh, Bridgestone, Bridgestone Arena, where the nice. Predators played. Oh, so they had 
had a pretty big uh they had they had a lot of space to work with there. oh yeah dude that stage was huge i took pictures of it like their stage setup's insane also so I, i'm sure you do the same as a as a musician and stuff christian but like you know how you'll watch different performers and performances like obviously me for, doing vocals i tend to gravitate to vocalists i'll watch vocalists and know what they do and their movements stuff like that and all that right um mm-hmm. They have so Slipknot's known. They have a huge band. It's like nine members, eight members. I can't remember. One of the two. It's a lot. It's a lot of people in there. Yeah, they have like a DJ. They have a percussionist. They have a drummer, guitar players, bass player, singer. Uh, I think they have another sampler. Like somebody does samples. I don't know. They have like it's a whole bunch of stuff. Well, the two percussionists. Dude, that would be that would be the gig. I feel like that would that would be my calling. Other like they do backup screams every now and then and vocals is pretty much yelling. But they just go ham. Like they're jumping around up there, hitting these freaking drums in like a keg, and they're bouncing around just doing crazy shit the whole time. It's wild. Like they're just Love up there it. hype for like and they played a good ninety plus minute set. Damn. Yeah, and right. they wear a mask. If you don't know who Slipknot is, they wear a full mask and stuff. And anybody that's ever played in a band or anything, stages are hot. It doesn't matter what time of year it is. You sweat like hell up there. Like, it is crazy cardio. And to put a mask on and do all the stuff, because they're moving. They're not just, like, stationary playing their instrument. Like, they're moving all around the stage. Dude, that's insane. I, I don't know if I could do it, honestly, in a mask. I might, I might possibly die. I mean, I could definitely see myself trying to play a full set with a mask on on a super hot ass stage and definitely passing out right before the. Last, I mean, just imagine because you know how much you sweat up there. Just imagine then you put on like a latex mask or whatever they're wearing, and how hot those are like when you wear it at Halloween, and then you're headbanging and jumping or singing, screaming. Good gosh, dude. I mean, I'm assuming because of how big they are, they probably have it set up to where they're, one, used to it, but two, also have like some kind of mechanism in their mask at this point. I'd like to think that. That's I don't think they definitely do. not confirmed. I, I've seen a video but, uh, of his, uh, Corey Taylor's mask, and it's like pretty basic. The one he's wearing now is creepy. Like even from like a distance, it's like a full head covering mask. And I guess he has where the jaws will move. You know, like it's kind of loosened where while he sings it doesn't like restrict him mm-hmm. but it dude it's full head mask with like the only opening what the eyes and hopefully he has holes in his nose in the mouth and i guess ears for his ear um in ears yeah but they have big ass fans like industrial that, fans that on shit. stage you can see them like in their stage setup well there you go but it, yeah just but, having that on stage is a bitch because it takes up so much space oh dude they took up well, you know how Bridgestone is. They took their whole stage was full of stuff, just everywhere. They would set stuff on fire. Like I don't know, they did all kinds of things. Big pyros everywhere. It was wild. Back to Ice Nine though. Ice Nine was amazing. They crushed it. So good live. If you get a chance to see the one of them, I highly recommend them. Like I said, I was never a big Slipknot fan, but the ability to check them off my list and say I've experienced them live and watched them live, dude, I, I don't regret it. It was awesome. Uh, but that's been pretty much my week. Watch the show. Uh, and, uh, yeah, also currently watching Chucky, but we'll talk about that next week as well. So we got Dahmer and Chucky for you guys next week. So tune in for that, but that's going to bring us to, uh, 
I believe, our first uh, first topic, which is I think Christian has a, a news update for us. I do, man. Um, I'm going to just jump right into it. So we've talked a lot on this podcast about the state of Warner Brothers and, and all their films and TV and even HBO Max at certain points. Uh, we know that Zaslav bought uh, the company and they told he told us a bunch of shit, you know, a couple months ago um, about how he wanted to change some things and what he wanted it to look like and that Superman was a big deal for them and all this shit. But the only real updates that we've gotten from them have been like uh, The Rock talking about Black Adam and talking about Black Adam and talking about Black Adam and more talking about fucking Black Adam. So, um, so we've been talking about Black Adam is what you're trying to tell me. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Um, and then we did get a cool update recently about Constantine 2. So uh, Keanu Reeves and the director are coming back to do another Constantine film, a sequel. Um, and I'm actually super excited about that. And I think that, that that's just like an easy win, you know, because even though that version of Constantine isn't really the version of Constantine that we love from the comics and whatnot, it was still a very enjoyable film. I really did like that. And uh, it came out at the perfect time for me to be into it as well. So I really like that. And we get to see that come back. So I'm super excited for that. Um, aside from that though, the news is that it is not yet fully confirmed, but there is a big rumor that is credited by a lot of really good sources that Warner Brothers is most likely going to be sold to Universal Studios in 2024. So that gives Zasloff a year to, to make some money, to make some tax cuts, to, to delete a whole bunch of shit, and to set some things in motion just to sell it off again to Universal. And that could be, that could be, I mean, they're, they're, the possibilities of where they could go with that are endless essentially, but like, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Like, I don't know, but I uh, just, just, just wanted to let you guys know that that's, Definitely something that's, you know, if you're plugged into the Hollywood network, then you'll definitely see that that's something that people are talking about right now for sure. And um, people are trying to figure out why and what was going on. And one of the things that happened uh, leading up to this is the guy who used to run DC um, before it was bought by Zaslav, they, they asked him to stay on and to, and to keep doing stuff, you know, keep, keep, Prove, you know, keep approving movies and blah, blah, blah. But he said no. And the thing that pissed him off was when they canceled the Batgirl film. So canceling Batgirl uh, really pissed a lot of powerful people off. A lot of people are walking away from Warner Brothers. A lot of people have gotten fired, of course. There's been a lot of layoffs. But with that being said, the news I'm bringing you guys is that Warner Brothers will most likely be sold to Universal in 2024. Um, and if you have thoughts, Hit me up, find me on the socials, and tell me what you think. Sam, what are you thinking about that news? That's pretty crazy. I don't, I don't know. Like DC's in such a weird spot right now. Well, they've been in a weird spot, but it's like a constant revolving. I don't know. I just want some stability. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It does. I just want some like well, I can't talk stability. And let's get some stuff going let's get some projects locked down some projects scheduled come out on time jesus at the delays or cancellations let's come on dc get shit together maybe this maybe this is yeah. what they need i don't know we'll see man i think it's going to be a long while before 
they get their shit together, especially if the rumors end up being true, which we're leaning to yes at this point. But yeah, if they're getting ready to sell, man, then they're probably going to want to have um, a lot of stuff on the back burner so that when they do sell, um, they can sell it for a little cheaper than they want to. And then whoever buys it, which like, like I said, is looking to be universal. Um, it, it's this. So the reason why I'm saying this just for clarity is remember when uh, Marvel Studios and stuff before they had uh, Fox and before or Disney, before they bought, you know, uh, Fox and all that stuff. And, and now they have the rights to like all their characters again. Before that happened, the same dealings were going on behind the scenes that people weren't really talking about unless you were plugged in into to that kind of that kind of stuff. So the same dealings right now are happening again. It just happens to be happening with Warner Brothers and 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 Universal. So that's why the rumor is that Universal is going to buy Warner Brothers and Zaslav was going to try to sell Warner Brothers for a, a fixed price. And um, Universal wants to buy Warner Brothers, but they have their own dealings. You know, they're like, hey, we want to buy it for so many billion and we want all this stuff. We want this. We want that. And Zaslav is trying to, you know, sweeten the deal for himself. Obviously, you know, money, money talks, bullshit walks. So they're really just trying to make this as easy as they possibly can. Um, But it's going to take them you know, about a good year to get it going. And the only reason this is even possible is because Marvel owns the rights to so many other companies now. And they had to go to uh, legislation for that to happen. Like they had to go to court and all that stuff. People had to vote on this because that happened. That now opens the door for other companies to do certain things like that. So um, they have to go through the right avenues. And I believe, like I said, in another year, it's going to be sold. So we'll see what happens, man. That's why there's only a few projects that we hear coming out right now. You got The Flash, of course. You got Black Adam. You have them working on a new uh, The Batman film. Um, but a lot of other DC films are either being pushed back, they're being canceled. We got Aquaman, of course, coming out as well. But those films keep getting pushed back. They keep getting pushed back. And now we know a little bit more of why that's happening. So yeah, that's my that's my news, man. I just wanted to uh, bring that up real quick. All right. Well, thank you for that news update. Um, and yeah, we'll see how it all plays out. But that should take us to our next, speaking of Marvel and Disney, that should take us to our next subject, She-Hulk. Um, I'll be honest, I don't have a lot. This is kind of like copy-paste the last few weeks. So the most recent episode, episode five. No, yes, no. Episode six, excuse me, sorry. Episode six dropped, uh, time of recording this today. And another filler episode. Long story short, it's another filler episode. Um, She-Hulk goes to a wedding. She's strutting her stuff. She gets drunk. She gets in a fight. That's about it. And we see, uh, end of the episode, we see uh, a syringe with, uh, I'm assuming, uh, what is the dude asked? The guy you brought up, the Tony Stark guy? Yeah. What did he ask? He was asking her. He asked if something was penetrating her skin. And I can't remember what the hell it was. Yeah, he was asking her questions about if her skin's really impenetrable and, and like, you know, how but didn't the he workarounds say substance, for that. Didn't he say, would that work? I think that he did, and I can't remember off the top I, of my yeah. head. Anyways, um, I'm but, assuming it's whatever yeah. substance he brought up. Kind of like Christian said, I'm, I'm going to go on a limb, and I'm going to say it's him. He has concocted some kind of thing that will penetrate her skin so they can actually 
you know, attack She-Hulk and defeat her and stuff like that. Uh, that was about it. I mean, that in a nutshell. It's another filler episode. I do think it's a good show. There's really not a lot to talk about. They're just kind of going along. It's kind of sitcom-y and just doing its thing. But it is good. I think it is a good show. Another filler episode. We have, what, two more episodes? So this next two episodes should pick up. I would think they should actually have some, some meat and potatoes, more content and, like, stuff in them. I would think. We'll see, though. Christian, what, uh, what do you think we'll about it? We'll see. I mean, my thoughts are pretty similar to yours. Um, I got to say, like like most of us, I was very, very clearly disappointed that we didn't have uh, Daredevil showing up in this episode. They're obviously yeah, you predicted the hell out of that. You were like, Daredevil's in this episode. It has to happen. Yeah, man. It made sense. Uh, but you He's know, coming the f- either next episode or the episode after. He will be there. And he's gonna with, make a grand appearance. He's gonna, be, he's gonna make that episode the best episode because he's there. With the way things are going, I would imagine they would just hold him until the very last episode because they've been giving us cameos in a bunch of episodes. But last week's episode, She-Hulk or Jennifer, excuse me, even commented on them having cameos in the episodes and having twitter armor for a week because they have these cameos but they don't have that in this episode so it won't have its twitter armor um and like i said these episodes were made directed edited well before any of the criticisms with this with the show like all the shrek comments that we hear in the show and all that stuff that people are saying now the people who made the show knew what the fuck they were doing, right? Like they, they knew what people were going to say. They knew what people were going to be complaining about. So I don't really have anything to add um, positive or negative. I do think that it sucks that they teased us. You know, they just blue balled us with the daredevil um, tease. He is coming. We will see him. That's going to be cool. Um, The other thing I can say is she Hulk is still a good show. It's still enjoyable. Um, I think it's lighthearted. It's silly. It's just what Marvel needs because I believe once their secret invasion show starts and then they have all these other movies come out with the Kang dynasty and stuff, I think things will get dark again. So they're just lightening. It's like the calm before the storm. You know, a lot of stuff is going to happen. It's going to be real funny, real light. You know, a lot of shit's happening during the day. If you've noticed a lot of stuff in She-Hulk happens during the day. And I think that that's by design because they will totally change a lot of that shit later on with other films um, and then you're going to have like the darker uh, Black Panther film that's coming out and stuff like that. So we'll see what's what's going to happen. Um, I'm really just tired of complaining about Marvel. Everybody knows what my complaints are. I think that the same things that I thought that should be changed a year ago, I think should be changed now. Um, I just want to see the characters that I actually gave a shit about do more stuff. She-Hulk being one of them. Um, I would love to see She-Hulk do more things that She-Hulk does. I would love to see... Just more She-Hulk in general. So I don't have anything bad, man. I, I enjoyed it. I think it's fine. Her fight with Titania is cool to look at. Um, the the CGI is getting a little bit better. To me. She is very annoying. She's nothing like her character in the comics. But Marvel tends to do that as well. They, you know, they, they tell us they're going to give us a character that we love. And then they take everything that we love about that character, pour a whole bunch of water on top of it, and then serve it to us. So that's kind of how it goes. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. Short and sweet. We don't have a lot about it. I mean, another filler episode, but... Is what it is. Next two episodes, I'm hoping. I think that's it. I think there's eight in the season, so surely they'll. Usually they pick up the the one before the last one, so uh, hopefully mm-hmm. we'll get some good stuff and some Daredevil. That's what I'm waiting on, Daredevil. But that takes us to the next juicy topic that we do have stuff to talk about, and that will be the mm. House of the Dragon. That's right. Absolutely. Fire, blood, and 
incest, you know, all the stuff that goes with it. <laughs> um, House of Dragon, episode five. Right? Am I on the right? Yeah. Dude, my episodes, mm-hmm. doing back-to-back, I get those mixed up every now and then. But yeah, episode five, we light the way. Um, Christian, you just want to go in? I know you have detailed notes, but I'm still loving this show. I do have detailed notes. Um, one um, thing I do want to say right away just, before I forget. So the missus likes to go on, um, it's like a TikTok rabbit hole. She has found some TikTok person that has, I guess, theories about Game of Thrones and backs them up, all kinds of stuff. Anyways, we've been debating for a while now what exactly is wrong with Viserys. Because Viserys clearly has something wrong with him. Is it a skin thing? Is it cancer? Like... I know it's symbolism, and me and you talked about that last week, that you know he's not fit for the throne, and it's breaking him down, his body's giving out, and he, just, he can't handle it. All that stuff, right? We, we understand symbolism. Uh, they come out, and I guess maybe Patty Constantine, uh, Constantine, the actor, has said that it's some form of leprosy that Viserys has, which is interesting. And I know in trailers and stuff, we're seeing at some point it's going to get so bad that he's actually going to wear like almost like a Phantom of the Opera mask. He's going to be wearing like a gold mask for part of his face. So it's only going to continue to get worse. But I want to throw that out before I forgot about it because that was a nice little tidbit of knowledge. But apparently, I'm guessing it's a form of leprosy. So there we go. So um, that was actually like the first thing I was going to say. It is confirmed leprosy. Um is it full-fledged leprosy? Because I don't really know how there would be a different form. Like, it just has to be leprosy, right? Yeah, I mean, leprosy, loss of limbs, falling off, whatnot. He does Legion definitely has that. that shit. Mm-hmm. So we have, that's definitely what he has for sure. That is confirmed. The actor, Patty Constantine, did say that for sure. So, yeah, that is absolutely, he is dying from leprosy. That His character is passing away slowly. Is that a slow it's painful. death? It is slow and painful, and it sucks. Yeah, it's um, so we definitely have that. But you are correct. This episode is called "We Light the Way," uh, which is letting you know what's going to happen. Especially if you're a fan of the book at all, uh, what we got going on with that. So the episode starts with gray skies again. Um, we're in Runestone, following Prince Damon's wife, <laughs> Lady Rhea, uh, and he she is the one that that he's referred to uh, plenty of times at this point. Uh, as the bronze bitch and she is hunting deer um i gotta say though like i remembered this from the book uh that i haven't spoiled for you um in past episodes but in the book she falls off of her horse and cracks her head on a stone but she doesn't die immediately she suffers for nine fucking days and then she dies but damon's not there when she dies he's actually still uh, fighting in the war, the bloodstone. I thought it was implied though, because isn't that what the director said? Like that line, how she falls and cracks her head, or like the way it's written, yeah, he said it always it. kind of implied to him that did Damon have something to do with it? Well, no, because if you read the books, he wasn't around to do that. So she, she it was an unfortunate accident. But we got to add a little drama, a little spice to this fucking show. She went out so like a G though. She was, dude, she was, uh, she was no sissy. She was no snowflake. She was talking shit to the end. I mean, that's not how I would have phrased it, but she definitely went out like a motherfucking G for sure. I will say that. Um, 
But if you look at it, though, notice that Rhea went for her weapon first. Damon showed up. He's completely unarmed. He doesn't he even have a sword on him. Nothing. So she goes for her weapon first. He sees her reaching for her bow. And then she goes to shoot when she falls off her horse because her horse gets spooked. So Damon, if you watch, he actually goes to steady that horse and then sees that she's paralyzed. That's why he like steps on her arm and shit. And he notices that she can't really feel anything. So she he, he she taunts him like that's her whole thing right uh, and then she starts talking about him not being able to finish and stuff because they haven't consummated their marriage or whatever because he doesn't give a shit about her but we already know that that pisses Damon off because if you remember from the very first episode of the show he couldn't finish with uh, the girl he was seeing um, who who he wanted to take as his wife who ended up having you know little birds and shit later on like. If you remember, that's something that really fucking pisses Damon off in general. So once that happens, once we get that scene where she's taunting him, she pretty much sealed her fate at that point. Um, so then he kills her off screen with with a rock um, and he, he cracks her fucking head in. So we totally see that going on. Um, so, you know, just just minor changes from the book for well, I guess not minor, they're pretty major, but that's definitely a change from the book. But I did like how they shot that. I like how it looked. Uh, then you go off and we see that the king is meeting with Corliss to tell him about the arranged marriage. Uh, Lord Lionel Strong is the new hand of the king, which I thought was cool, uh, especially after seeing the advice that he's given the king in past episodes. Um, Otto is talking to Alicent. And he's telling her the king will die, which is true. He's not lying about that. But he leaves for Old Town at that point after, of course, gaslighting the fucking shit out of his daughter for one last one last time. Got a gaslighter. Uh, then we see uh, Lenore, the prince, and we see Joffrey uh, Lawnmouth, I think is his last name. But another Joffrey. So we already know he's not going to last too long. If that's your name in Game of Thrones, you're not going to live too long. Uh, but they call him the Knight of Kisses. Then we find out pretty quickly that they're secret lovers. Uh, you know, Lenore and him have been seeing each other for what we assume has been years at this point. Um, then we see that, uh, what's his name? God, he's one of the strong children. He's he's one of the sons of Lionel Strong. And he he's the one who, who walks on a cane. I can't remember his, Lar Laris, I think is his name. I couldn't Lars remember Strong, his name. I know who you're talking about. He's a motherfucking rat is what he is, dude. Because yeah. he like softly, if you notice when he's talking to Allison, when he, when we meet those two characters together and like by the uh, werewolf tree, he compares her to a flower. And if you, if you listen to it when he's talking, like he talks about how the flower is foreign and it's trying to, it's, you know, trying to uh, live in this foreign land and all this stuff and shit. And it's, obviously comparing the flower to Allison. Like, but I thought that was really cool how he did it because he's super sly. And this guy's a slimy son of a bitch. Like you get that immediately. But we kind of already knew that too, because if you remember when we first met him, he wanted to sit down with all those gossiping ladies, I think, um, is, is how we met him. But anyway, he compares Allison to the flower. His father just took over um, her father's job, but he offers himself to Allison as an ally, like immediately. And then that's when I remembered that he was with those gossiping ladies in an earlier episode. So he's pretty used to sitting down and listening to what people are saying and hearing a bunch of rumors to spread out later on. So he's a sneaky son of a bitch. 
Um, then he tells Allison about the moon tea, essentially, like the whole situation with Rhaenyra. So that pisses her off to no fucking end because she's like, oh, she just lied directly to my face. Um, so that just kind of sets off a chain reaction of fuck shit that's going to happen later on in this episode. A chain and reaction of what? Episodes. A chain reaction of fuck shit is what I said. That's a very interesting description. Fuck shit. Okay. It is. Fuck shit. Sure I mean, how else document. would you explain it? <laughs> I'm going to get it patented. Fuck shit. Um, then the, when the king actually does meet Corliss and his wife, notice this is the very first time we've seen the king refuse a drink because she offers him a drink and he he declines it. That's how we know that that boy is sick. He's sick, sick at this point. So we already know. That's the first thing I noticed when she showed up and, you know, she tried to shake his hand and his, obviously we know that he's lost fingers at this point. So that probably hurts like a motherfucker. Plus leprosy as well doesn't make it any easier. So he's just not having a good time. Um, he offers Rhaenyra's hand to Corliss's son. We hear about that. Um, but Corliss, like, this is what I'll say. Corliss obviously is still pretty fucking salty about the situation to begin with, but not only is he salty about it, he immediately starts asking about succession and what's going to happen. And if, you know, what their future heirs will have, uh, which long, which last name they'll have, like if they'll bear the name Targaryen or Valerian, like all of that stuff, like he's on it immediately. Uh, then the king pretty much tells him, you know, they'll have they'll be Valerian until one of them accepts the throne, and the, regardless of their gender, and then they will be Targaryen once they accept the throne. Like that's what we're doing. I'm not gonna have my line die with Rhaenyra. They're gonna be Targaryens regardless. So we totally get that from this immediately. He shuts that shit down with the fucking quickness. So I thought that was awesome of him to say. Um, then you see that Rhaenyra and uh, Lenore, they're walking along the beach, and she's pretty much just hitting them up with that fucking arrangement immediately. And like, they, 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 uh, they play around with it, and the words they use are really cute and shit, and they start comparing it to food that they like and shit like that. I thought that was really cute. But essentially, uh, they're going to do their duty. They're going to get married. But after they get married and, and you know produce kids... They're going to do whatever the fuck they want. She's going to see who she wants to see. He can see whoever he wants to see, and they'll just keep it at that. They won't tell anybody. It'll just be their little secret. And uh, I thought it was really cool how she presented him with that. He was kind of confused about it, obviously, too, like when they first start talking, when she starts talking to him about it. But, I mean, you can't really get a better deal back in those times. So, he, you know, he accepts. Uh, then you see um, Sir Kristen Cole on the boat when when she leaves after all this, and he's pretty much asking her to run away with him and, and get married and just, you know, be nomads essentially. And she declines that because I mean, realistically, that's not a good idea. He's trying to he's trying to get married to her for love and also to regain his honor back because he knows what he's done. Like his honor is, is done for and he's a super dutiful man. So we get that and she declines his ass. And she wants to keep she wants to keep it as it is. She wants to keep doing what she does. And Kirk, Kristen Cole, he was—he pretty much told her, like, I don't want to be your whore, and he storms off. You know what I'm saying? So in modern terms, he pretty much tells her, I don't want to be your side dude anymore. I want to be your main dude. She tells him no, because, I mean, that's why you're the side dude. Um, so it's really funny. I thought that was cool to see. Rhaenyra was kind of cold in that in that uh, point of the show, but it, it made sense for her. Like the the deal that he was coming to her with didn't make sense because she really does like him. But I don't know if she's in love with him though. 
That's the thing. She might have love for him, but I don't think she's in love with him. Um, so that was cool to see. Um, aside from that, I think that's different from the books as well. Because in the book, that moment was in her room. She was a whole lot meaner. And she immediately, I'm sorry, he immediately becomes her enemy after that. Like she declines, but she declines. She's a, she's a pretty big asshole when she declines that. Uh, and then after that moment, he's like immediately her sworn enemy uh, and kind of runs off to Allison after that. But in the show, we keep going. The king arrives home. He has a life alert moment. And then Allison doesn't give a fuck, bro. This is the first time we've seen Allison just be super cold to the king. So like she sees him fall off his horse and he needs life alert. He, he needs help and he can't get out. So all his people are coming to pick Humpty up again. And uh, she just kind of stands there and watches from above. And then she goes later on, but she doesn't go to the king. She goes to do some other shit. Uh, she actually calls in Sir Kristen Cole. And uh, she starts questioning him about, you know, Rhaenyra and Damon. But she doesn't word it that way. She just kind of cryptically asks him questions about the rumors that are going around. And this motherfucker, without even clarifying what he's admitting to, just immediately spills the beans and just gives away, yeah, I did it. I'm sorry. I smashed it, bro. I don't know what to say. Just kill me quick. Don't don't torture me. And she's like, no, nah, you can go. And he's a little confused by that. And he's freaking out because, you know, at this time, him sleeping with the princess at this point, especially taking her fucking virginity, bro, like that is a means to torture. They would torture the shit out of him after stripping him of every title that he had. Um, and, and then he would just be tortured for days, days on end before before he actually died. So that's why he was like, please just kill me quick, you know, honorful. Uh, I just want to do it that way. And that's not what happened. She just let him go because she's going to use him later. Um, but I just can't believe that he admits to him and Renera smashing that quick, though. He didn't even realize what she was asking him. Like, that moment really got me. Um, and it was some it was some really good drama as well. Um, but after that, we see two dragons arrive. Uh, it's like Melise and Sea Smoke. Sea Smoke is white, Melise is red. And those are the dragons that belong to the Valerian uh, children. So Lenore and uh, I forget his sister's name. I apologize. I literally can't remember her fucking name right now. But they show up, and then that's when we start the fucking feast, bro, the wedding feast. Um, I Game thought that was Thrones a really weddings. cool scene. Yay, they always go well. <laughs> they Nothing bad ever happens in no, a Game of Thrones No, it's always a smooth wedding. sailing adventure. Um, so you get House Valerian arriving, and then Damon arrives. And the king is kind of pissed, but he doesn't want to start any shit because it's a wedding. You know, they're starting off the festivities early. I forget how many days he's supposed to say that they were supposed to celebrate before the marriage happens, but it doesn't even matter because, as you it know, it's a Game of Thrones wedding, so nothing's going to happen the way. Was it yeah, a week? I think it is seven days. Wasn't it like seven days I think it of is. like partying and tournaments and stuff? Yeah, all kinds of crazy shit that you don't need before a wedding. But yeah, absolutely. Um, so Damon shows up and then sits at the table. He gets a seat, sits down, and they just kind of go on about their business. And Allison's not there at this point. She's running hella late on purpose, obviously. But when she does show up, she's arrived in full green. And this is symbology because readers of the book know that her wearing green means that she is throwing down the gauntlet. The war has officially fucking started. And they also um, mention it. And um, the, the dudes talk about it, too. It's what they light up. Their, yeah, that's their, her family's their color or for something. war. Yeah, it's the start of a yeah. war. 
Yeah, that's why we light the way. That's the episode title. That's where that comes from. They light the way. They lit the way for the previous war that saw the Targaryens uh, go into power, rise to power, if you will. And that when they lit the way from their high towers, the color was green. That's their war color for them. So that's why green is such a symbolic color for her. That's why she wears so much of it. Um, so another thing that I, I peeped immediately was when she sits down, she refers to Rhaenyra as stepdaughter, and she's never done that before. So she's completely done fucking with Rhaenyra. They're no longer friends. They're not friendly. She knows what's up. You lied to me, blah, blah, blah. But like I said, in the in the show, it's a little different because Rhaenyra and Alicent kind of play their characters as, as if though they were romantic with each other. Um, so she's jealous and and hurt. But the thing is, like, Realistically, you've been smashing her dad for years at this point. You got two kids and stuff. Like that's that's a lot, you know, that's a lot to deal with. But anyway, with that being said, we, we get that scene and, and they don't make it a super big deal, but it's just enough. It's just enough. Then you see that uh Damon gets confronted by uh Gerald, I believe is his name, uh from Runestone, and then he confronts him about killing the queen. Uh Damon pretty much does a big dick move and says, you know, Not Damon. accusing never me here. <laughs> never Damon. Every single week, every single week of this show, we just watch to see what kind of, what kind of shenanigans Damon's going to get into. Right. Yeah. But anyway, so after that, we see that Damon pretty much just flexes. He's like, well, that's a pretty big accusation. You could totally die for just for saying that here. If I were to tell everybody what you just said to me also, I'm going to go to the Vale right after this wedding and I'm going to claim all of my late wife's land and uh, I'll, I'll see you there is essentially what he says. And you know, the dude walks off like that, that really starts some shit. He fucking walks off and then getting into the juicy parts of it, Damon and uh, you stop oh, Lena. That's her name. Lenore and Lena. That's her. I, I finally remembered the other Valerian child's name. I'm so sorry, but uh, you know, they're dancing. Everybody's dancing. Uh, Renee is dancing with Lenore and stuff. And, you know, people are supposed to be merry and happy at this point. And Damon and, uh, and Lena start flirting real hard and dancing. And uh, there's definitely a reason for that. You'll see that in the next episode for sure. Uh, and then Joffrey figures out that Sir Kristen Cole is the paramour of Rhaenyra. He finds that shit out immediately because he is just literally stalking her, watching her pissed off, almost driven to tears. So he goes over essentially to talk to him about it. You know, hey, I know your secret. You know my secret. Let's keep their secret safe and don't worry about it. Everything will be cool. And that kind of sends him over the edge. Then you see that Damon and Rhaenyra are speaking to each other and she taunts the shit out of him and he doesn't like this and he's really pissed off and he grabs her fucking face while the king is looking. So the king is like, oh my God, what's happening? What's happening? And that's when you hear it right there. She's out of sight. You hear a scream. The king sees him grab the face and then boom, shit pops off. It's hitting the fan. Uh, this doesn't happen in the book, by the way. Um, Joffrey doesn't die here. He dies in a tournament later on. Same, same way he does get killed by somebody. Right? No, he gets he gets killed. Like Kristen Cole kills the shit out of him at the tournament, like on purpose. Um, and he does it because I, we'll, we'll go over it in a second, I think. But essentially, what happens is in the book, um, he goes to give he goes to get his uh, you know, during those tournaments when they can go and get your favor, like a certain maiden's favor. He goes to get Rhaenyra's favor. She denies him. She gives her favor to um, Joffrey instead, and Sir Kristen Cole gets fucking pissed about it. 
because you know he hates her essentially at this point and because she turned him down and uh he goes and they fight and he kills joffrey on purpose beats the dog shit out of him but anyway uh like i was saying so Kristen cole does uh he yeah he does that because he doesn't get her favor in the tournament in the books but it's different here so if you get back to the brawl we never see how it actually starts but you do see that joffrey and sir Kristen cole are fighting other rival houses are fighting because everybody's got bad blood at this fucking wedding because it is a Game of Thrones wedding. So everybody's throwing hands. The king is clearly dying up there, coughing up blood. And then Lenore Strong orders his son to go do something. We don't know what it is at first. Um, but he ordered his son to go keep Rhaenyra safe. Uh, and and once we see this happen, like she's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? He picks her up and pretty much carries her out of there. So that's a cool thing. And I'll, I'll circle back to that here in a minute. Um, just, just to give you more context for that, but dude, Sir Kristen Cole beats Joffrey's face into fucking taco meat, and then he's dead, obviously, because he doesn't have a face anymore. And then we see Lenore crying; it's really sad. You notice that Sir Kristen Cole doesn't get arrested because he's a Kingsguard, or uh, he's, you know, uh, yeah, he's a Kingsguard at this point. So he doesn't get arrested for killing this man, but you do see him later going to the weirwood tree to kill himself, but he gets stopped by Allison. She doesn't say anything to him yet. She, she, you know, calls his name. So he doesn't do it. Um, but we don't, we don't see the conversation that they have. They purposely don't show us that. Then you see that Rhaenyra and Lenore, they get married in a very small ceremony. Lenore can barely say his fucking vows because he's so hurt that his lover just died. And it really sucks. It's really sad. And then right after they both promise themselves to each other and are officially married, you see the king fall. And they make it seem like that he's died, but he clearly hasn't died just yet. But it's fucking insane. Um, but some things I wanted to say after that real quick, just to clear some shit up. One big difference between the show and the book is that Allison is older than Rhaenyra. So her calling her a stepdaughter is even more uh, petty in the book because in the book, she is nine years older than Rhaenyra. They made them the same age in the show to make their friendship, you know, more of a thing so that it would hurt more for us later on seeing it later. And also to show us, you know, where their mindsets are a little bit more so because Rhaenyra, like I said, is pretty young, um, but they changed the ages of these characters uh, on purpose. Um, and then the other thing is that when Lionel Strong tells his son to go help Rhaenyra, he doesn't say words. He just kind of looks at him and gives him this reaffirming, you know, head nod. And that's very telling because book readers will know this, show watchers will know this through the uh, promo for the next episode. And maybe, uh, you know, just watching the next episode without watching the, the trailers. But he doesn't just replace Sir Kristen Cole by being her new guard. He replaces Sir Kristen Cole in every way, which means her new paramour is this guy. So she's fucking this dude while her and Lenore are married. And then we've already seen from other trailers, especially the trailer after this episode. But she gives birth, her older self obviously, gives birth to two sons and they do not have white hair like her, like uh, Lenore. They have brown hair and their brown hair is the same color as the strong guy. I forget his name. It's not Lionel Strong. I forget his name. I'm just going to call him Sir Strong for right now for the sake of the recording. But 
a lot of people call her sons the strong boys. And they do that because they're apparently pretty strong, yes, but also because they belong uh, to the strong line. They're not Valerian children. So we'll see that a lot playing out and we'll see how other characters uh, use that to their advantage to get under Rhaenyra's skin and under Lenore's skin as well. Because a lot of people are gonna start coming for the throne here soon because the king, excuse me, the King Viserys, he is not long for this world. You can see that, especially if you watch the trailer for the next episode. So there's a lot going on there. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I I'm just super excited. I can't wait to see how this is going to play out. I can't wait to see what changes they do to the to the uh, show from the books. I can't wait to see what they keep in. I'm just super excited. I can't wait. Like, this is one of the first shows in a long time that I've been super excited to watch week to week because normally I hate the week to week format. I just want to take all of this stuff in as long as I can, as much as I can. But since we've been doing this podcast, like I can't remember the last time I was this excited to, you know, go the next week to watch a show. Can you? Mm. Boys, maybe. Mm. Mm -hmm. Boys. Absolutely right. I think, I think the boys, yeah, 100%. The boys was the other show. But that I was that, rooting though, like, for this much. Not really. I mean, it's just something about Game of Thrones. Game, the the way Game of Thrones is, it just it sucks you in. If you're a fan of it, then it just it gets you hook, line, and sinker. Um, I does. do have a theory I want to throw out there and see what you think about it. I sure. haven't done much on it. There's another one the missus had heard of. Do you think Damon has grayscale? I think that's what it's called. Uh, no, there's right some theory now, about him wearing stuff around his neck that he's got some grayscale or something going on, and that's why he was wearing stuff higher up his neck to cover it. Mm. No, to, to answer your question, no. So, really quick, before I say this, I just want everybody listening to know like, I'm about to get into some super spoiler territory for the books and the show for House of Dragon. So, if you don't want to hear any spoilers, skip ahead a little bit. Um, but I'm about to go into those starting three, two, one. So in the in the book, and I'm assuming in the show, um, we get the scene in this episode where Damon and Lena are flirting really hardcore. They do end up getting married. They do end up having children, and they ride dragons the together and all that. You see them together. Yeah, yeah, you do see that. But they they totally get married and. He, he clearly isn't over the fact that his niece that he's in love with is getting married. So he does get married to the next best thing, in his opinion. And, you know, it is political, yes, but he still kind of likes her. It's cool. Um, but they will meet up again. So this whole uncle-niece situation, it's not over. We're definitely going to see more. If they follow the books at all, then we will see that their relationship definitely blossoms a lot more than it should. And uh, consequences happen because of that. So this will not be their their last marriages, that's for sure. So um, yeah, man, I'm excited to see what they're gonna do for it. But that, that, those are my thoughts. That's the that's not so quick of a rundown, but it is a rundown of this episode of House of the Dragon. Those are also my thoughts, and I would love to keep up with everyone else and their thoughts on this show as well. So hit yeah, us hit up us on up our with your opinions and what you think about the episodes, or or even stuff that we say. We would love to hear hear back on, uh, you know, how everybody else is enjoying it, or if you hate it, why you hate it, you know, just give us some give us some feedback on it. I think if you say to me that you hate the show, I'm going to look you dead in your eyeballs and call you a fucking liar. Because if you say you hate it, is... I want 
like a good descriptive reason why, not just because. Don't say I hate it. It sucks. Like I want to know why you hate it. I want you to explain what your reason for disliking it is. I will say this is one of the only shows Game of Thrones pretty much in general is one of the only shows where you see a strong female protagonist, um, at least to us, a strong female protagonist and people aren't complaining that the show has a strong female protagonist. Cause like She-Hulk for an example, it's not the best show I've ever seen. It's not my favorite. I do love the character from the comics. And I think the show is very interesting in its own way. But so many fucking people complain about She-Hulk, not because the show is bad, but because it's about a woman people like and complain, she though. talks that's, about men. It's so the annoying. That's we're in. They're going to complain no matter what you do. Literally. Yeah, but complain about something that makes sense. Like, complain because the show isn't good for X, Y, and Z. Don't complain because She-Hulk is... Like, one of the complaints I heard when the sh- before the show came out and right when the first episode came out was, oh, my God, they're making her so strong. They're making her She's stronger than the Hulk. Is she supposed they, to be but, weak? But that's the thing. They were I like, mean, she's stronger than the Hulk. And I was like, no, she's not. If you watch the episode, they, they clearly show you that she's weaker. Clearly. But people don't really pay attention to those types of things because – like I said, they want to complain. And uh, I just think that it's crazy. But anyway, um, it, I really enjoy the show. I, I love seeing shows with strong female characters, especially strong female characters that do stuff other than, you know, like be a damsel, that yeah. complain. Like she's these characters have agency. They are doing shit. Yes, it's devious as piss, but that's Game it of Thrones. Matters. It's all devious. Yeah, I exactly. That, I mean, it shows like how cutthroat that is. It, you know, at that yeah. level. And that's why Sir Kristen Cole is so fucking mad at Rhaenyra because he, in his eyes, he can't see why somebody would want to play this game, right? But if you think about it, if he would have thought about it for just the fucking Or the second. throne, excuse me. Yeah. But the thing is, like, Rhaenyra, even though she's young, her entire life has been to play this game. So for him to come in as somebody on the outside and tell her, I really don't want you to play this game. I want you to just go away with me. It's like a big slap in the face because that's her entire life. So I love seeing stuff like that. I love breaking it down. I love looking into it way more than I probably should. It just makes it more entertaining. I also think, but anyway, again, those are my thoughts. This last episode, I believe was the last, I'm guessing it's the last time we'll see the, the younger actresses. I call them younger actresses. I don't know how old they really are, but the younger forms of Renera and uh, Allison Hightower, I believe we have our other uh, older forms of them. We'll take start mm-hmm. being like the main focus moving forward, right? I don't think we can get any more of uh, their younger selves, correct? Yeah, that's that's it, man. Well, this is the last time we see them. So they essentially did like half the season. Half the season younger, and the other half will be older. And I'm assuming it'll just be them moving forward until their untimely demises. That's right. I'm guessing. I don't know. Unless they've got another set of actresses for oh, I don't I don't know how they've got it set up, but so I think that was it for the younger ones. And I, I thought they did a good job. I liked them. It's been a good show. I have no complaints on it. I look forward to watching it. I enjoy watching it. You know, it's something I look forward to every week. And I, I love Game of Thrones. I love the the world. I love the way it's set up. I enjoy it. Um yeah. I have no complaints. Zero complaints in it. Good. 
has like the brutality. It, it gives me enough of pretty much everything I need, I feel like. It's a good story. You yeah, pay attention I, I, I to agree. it. You I get agree. your brutality, your fights, your you know, your all those that stuff. Good character. Usually good character development, I would say, for the most part. Like if you look over like the long arcs and everything. And Damon, you get kind of like you said, what what asshole thing is Damon gonna do this week? You know, it's kind of like you look forward to it. What move what will he do? What dick move will Damon pull on this episode of House of Dragon? House mm-hmm. of the Dragon. <laughs> Great show, though. Um, but yeah, man. That was you a very nice breakdown, sir. Good job. Thank you. We'll give you, we'll give you a round of applause for that. Uh, but I hey, believe man, that's I all of... Do what? I said I appreciate that. I'll take it. Yes, sir. I believe that's all of our topics, and that means it's time that we... Pass the whiskey. That's right. Get your whiskeys ready. Get your drink ready. Get your whatever beverage you're having, because it's last call, folks. Whiskey! Last call. This week, I think... Uh, Christian, do you? I think you have yet another right. thing for spooky season for us, don't you? That's right. Um, before I do that, I did, have, I did have one more thing. I did have one more thing. Um, I I watched the trailer for the new Hellraiser movie oh. coming to Hulu um, this week. And I watched the trailer about three times. It was fucking fantastic. I loved everything about it. When's the movie I loved come out? the changes that they made. The, the, the Hellraiser trailer came yeah. out. No, when's the movie come out, though, for Hellraiser? It comes out October 5th, I want to say. Oh, so, so no. in like, a, like, in a like week another week. Okay. Yeah. Oh. But I, I got I to gotta say, man, so in the trailer, we see a couple of things that, that really stood out to me that just, I'm telling you, man, I fucking love these things that I saw. One of those things being Pinhead in action. I love this new Pinhead. I love the actress that they have to play the character. Um, I, I love the visuals of the film itself. It's very dark, it's gritty, but it looks really clean at the same time. Uh, they've taken a lot of the leather out of the costumes that we're used to seeing for the Cenobites, but they, they left enough in to where you, you can recognize these characters. They've added some new Cenobites. I love that. And I'm, I'm just super excited for, for what they showed us. Like they showed us just enough in this trailer. This was the fucking perfect trailer for a movie of this type. You get the general story. They introduce you to a couple of the characters. You don't know where everybody's allegiances lie. You don't know the exactly what's gonna happen in the story. We just know that somebody gets the lament configuration. They change it up. They, they figure out the puzzle, shit happens. But another change that they made to the story of Hellraiser that I absolutely 100% am fucking on board for is the box isn't fucking boring in this movie. You don't just, you know, twist it a little bit and then it, it figures itself out. Like it has several completions that we see in this in this trailer that they show us immediately. You solve the puzzle in one way, it collects some blood. You solve the puzzle another way, it collects some of your blood. But the more you do this, the more blood it collects, and then the Xenobites come for you. I love that change. This is something I've always wanted. The box looking in all these different forms, I hope that's merchandise that they start selling because I will buy it. I want it. Oh, my God. And then, and then the last thing I wanted to gush over really quickly was Pinhead's voice. I don't care what anybody says. That shit is fantastic. Pinhead if you is can't a get female Bradley, the first time, correct? Yeah, pay, played by a female character or female actor. But what I got to say is the voice that they have for Pinhead, it's fantastic. 
if you can't get Doug Bradley to come back to do it because of reasons, this is how you do Pinhead. You know why I he's love not coming it. back? Uh, I mean, he's so old, man. I don't, I don't, I just think that they wanted to do a new thing. Gotcha. And if no, they brought was, Doug Bradley curious, back, I'm not 100% positive, so I don't want to lie to you. So I'll just say, I don't know. I'll try to figure it out for next podcast episode we do. But I, I love this trailer. I watched it three times. It's fantastic. I can't wait for this movie to come out. I'm, I'm ready. This is one of those films that you look at and you're like, this could have easily gone to theaters. This could have easily gone to theaters. That's what I'm thinking. Like, what I'll, I'll say this last thing and I'm done. If you compare this trailer to the trailer for Prey, it makes more sense why Prey came out on Hulu and less sense why Hellraiser is coming out on Hulu and it should be in theaters. I'm glad it's coming out on Hulu because I can watch it when I want to, but it's definitely something that I would pay to go see solely based on the trailers that, I'm, that I've seen so far. And I hope that's all they show us. I just want the, the movie after this and I wanted to tell you my thoughts on the movie after I watch it. But those are my thoughts on the Hellraiser trailer. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor because you are doing yourself a disservice by not experiencing the shit I just witnessed. We'll so definitely have it. a breakdown of it when it comes out because I plan on watching as well. I haven't seen the trailer myself. Uh, we've been busy, but I plan on checking it out. I try to avoid a lot of trailers. I've, I've avoided a lot of Halloween Ends trailers just because I don't want anything to ruin it because they have a bad habit of oversharing in trailers, and I don't want that. I just want to experience it the first time without... Yeah. Being like, oh, that's from the trailer. Oh, that's from the trailer. Or seeing like, yeah, I, I definitely didn't watch. I watched the very first little teaser trailer that they showed a Halloween months ago. I did watch that, and after that, I got everything I needed. I haven't seen anything else. I don't want to see anything else. I, I'm gonna be honest. I actually think that Halloween ends is going to be garbage. Um, I really do. I, I think, think it's, it's gonna, gonna be, be trash. I think it's gonna be fucking boo boo shoes. But I'm gonna go see it anyway. Give it a chance. I'm worried it is. I'm seeing a lot of stuff saying you'll never expect the ending. The ending's crazy. It's uh, all this, like all this stuff. And I'm like, don't do anything stupid. I'm, I'm concerned. I am concerned going into it. I hope it's not hot trash. I hope it's not boo-boo shoes, but I'm going to watch it. And I'm sure I'll own it because I have to, because I have all the Halloween. So, <sighs> yeah. Okay. I still haven't bought ends or kills yet. I actually, I actually, I don't have kills. I did. I have 20, 2018, I don't have kills. Whoops. But I have all the others. All right, man. So you ready for that last call question? All right. Last call question. Pass the whiskey. Passing the whiskey. Okay. Now for real, we're on last call, guys. That was like, that was like a pre-last call. We were like getting you ready. You know, get the other drink, drink it real quick. Now you're on last call. Now this is it. It's You don't have to go home, but you got to get the hell up out of here. Last call question. Let's go. What you got, Christian? All right. So in keeping with the questions that I've asked you before, I want you to picture, I want you to picture Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm -hmm. You're writing this movie. You're about to pitch it to me because you're gonna. I'm, I'm going. I'm a studio, and I'm gonna give you the green light on whatever it is you want to do with the next Nightmare on Elm Street film. Tell me how this movie is written. Give me the general story of it. If there's any actors or actresses in this that you definitely want, let me know. But tell me how you would write your sinful version. Of a Nightmare on Elm Street. Is it yeah. already greenlit? You got to you got to tell me it's greenlit. You got to tell me. No, what, if what it's greenlit, then you mind your damn business and you just wait till nope, it's it not in the theater. No, okay. Oh no. Nightmare on Elm Street. First and foremost, the elephant in the room. Freddy Krueger's Robert England. I will not stand for anyone else but Robert England. 
And here's how I'm, I'm pitching Robert England for you. Because Robert England is 70s, easily, right? Like, I, don't, I actually don't know how old he is. We've talked about this, I think. He's in his 70s, though. I don't think he's 80. He's real old at yeah. this point, man. Look, we're doing one movie, one off. That's it. We're finishing it. There's seven movies currently out there. Nightmare on Elm Street. Not counting Freddy vs. Jason. If you count that, he's been in eight. Whatever. Seven movies on Nightmare on Elm Street. We're doing eight, and we're calling it The Final Nightmare. Robert England is Freddy. We are wrapping everything up with this movie. We are not doing a trilogy. We're not doing a one-off. Doesn't matter how much money it makes. We're going out with a bang. Robert England is too old to set up for few, like future movies. We're ending it right. So Robert England is my Freddy. I am hiring... Are you ready for this, Christian? Mm-hmm. But are you ready? Jonathan Craven is going to direct this. Okay. Which is, those who don't know, that's Wes Craven, the creator of Nightmare on Elm Street. That's his son, Jonathan Craven. And Jonathan Craven's done uh, stuff like um, Hills Have Eyes, I believe, and some other things. I can't think of all the stuff he's done right now on top of my head. But, all right. So, I'm bringing back Robert England, first and foremost. Jonathan Craven's directing. I'm bringing back Nancy. I'm bringing Nancy back in some she's gonna be there i want her to come back to be there for the end kind of thing kind of a lori deal but not to that extent um and i want the person that takes freddie out to be either jonathan craven because they they broke the fourth wall and they well they changed the whole thing and made where Wes craven was in the movie before this which would have been new nightmare right is that what i'm thinking of mm-hmm Wes Craven was in it. Robert England played themselves. All that, whatever. Wes Craven passed away a couple years ago, several years ago. How many years has it been? Uh, shit, man. I can't remember off the top of my head. Honestly, I have to look it up. I'm trying to think. To look. I'm trying to remember what movie it was. Anyways, Wes Craven's gone. So, in some shape or form, we have an ode to Wes Craven. Maybe Freddie gets West something, or it's implied West, you know, passed away. I want either Nancy to have a child named Wes, or I want Jonathan Craven to break that wall and do like his dad did in the previous and be there and be the one to take out Freddie. Almost kind of like an ode to whoever originally gave birth to Freddie. Those that know the original Nightmare on Elm Street are gonna take out Freddie. How exactly Freddie gets taken out? I'm not sure. Uh, probably, I mean, the most poetic would be something with the furnace, right? And I think that was done in the previous one. I mean, that would be the most poetic, but I don't know. I'm not sure how I'd take him out. Um, trying to think who else I would want in it. But it would be, it would be billed as the last, kind of like the last ride, the final nightmare. This is it. Like, how do we take out Freddy? It's going to be. You know, pretty much the basic premise for all of them. Like, something happens. Maybe Wes Craven passes at the beginning. We we address that elephant in the room. You know, it's announced he's passed. Um, passes in his sleep or something. I'm not really sure how Wes Craven actually passed away. Do you do you know? Uh, off the top of my head, I'm not right at the moment because my only thought is how you're doing this movie. My only thought is what? How, how you're going to write this movie. Okay. Wes Craven. Passes away, which then starts the whole fear. Then Freddy's back. 
you know, doing Freddy things. And we're going to get Nancy. And pretty much Freddy's got unfinished business. Like, he can't stop. And we're going to have Nancy back. It'd be really cool if you could throw a Johnny Depp cameo in there. Yes, Johnny Depp is dead. I'm 100% aware of it. But if you could somehow throw a vision, like, bring Johnny Depp for some kind of cameo as, like, Glenn or whatever, you know, back messing with Nancy, that would be super cool. Um, But, yeah, I would build it as a final nightmare. I wouldn't do a trilogy. I wouldn't do more than that. Because, to me, Robert Englund will forever be Freddy, and I can't... Right now, I can't think of anybody else to play Freddy to pick up that role. Like, nothing feels right. And I have a horrible taste in my mouth from the, the reboot that they did. But, yeah. Well, that's why you get to write your own. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I think it would be really poetic, though, to have... Since Wes isn't there to do it himself, because, I mean... You could have Nancy do it, and maybe you can have them all together, like doing it. But I feel like one of the Cravens, since this was born from him, taken out Freddy would be kind of cool. And I guess you couldn't do the furnace because that's been done. I'm trying to think of how you could take him out forever. I really don't know. You could take Freddy out forever. Yeah, because that's gonna be. He lives in 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 dreams and stuff. I mean. I don't know. I don't know how you would take him out forever, but this would be it. You would have to take him out because Robert England's too old to pull a trilogy or, a, and I wouldn't want to, I would want to have one good film to end it on. And then, you know, Hollywood would probably pick it up later and reboot it and all that crap. But I wouldn't want to conclude that. I feel like eight films is a nice conclusion. It would be kind of hard to spin the story after what they spin last time because you had everybody. Robert England was, was there talking about playing Freddy and um, Heather, I can't think of her last name, was Nancy and so forth and all that. But mm-hmm. that's what I think I would do. I would have some form of bringing that Robert England one last go. That's it. Okay. What about you? What would you do? <clears throat> Um, if I were going to do a Nightmare on Elm Street film, I would probably just start fresh. Like, so you would um, reboot just completely. Do, I mean, I, it would be like a requel for me almost. So the events of the first, at least, at least the first one and the third one would be in continuity still. And the sec, I mean, the second one is kind of lives in its own world, to be honest with you. But I think I would definitely have new kids in this movie. I would definitely have a new Freddy. I would have a new everything and, and do that. Because the thing is this, for everybody... Who's going to be your Freddy? That, See, that's like a big thing for me with this. Like, anybody you can put... Nick Castle's my my Michael. Kane Hodder's my Jason. We kind of talked about that. But Freddy, there's only Robert England because of how Freddy is. Like, he's not... he. Yeah, technically he's behind a prosthetic like and makeup and all that. But he, his face, you know, it's not a mask and how he talks and how he acts. So I, that's going to be really picky for me. I would definitely have the prosthetics back for Freddy instead of doing CGI for his face. Who would you do? Um, I would have a brand new Freddy. As far as who I would cast for Freddy, I'm not sure just yet who I would cast. I could kind of think about it as I'm telling you how I would craft the story. Um, but... I would definitely do new new people. So I would kind of just have it to where in my story, um, 
I think what I would do is have have a new set of kids looking up. Like I, I probably have it to where kids are looking up. Um, uh, I'm trying to figure out how, the way to say this. They would be looking up like lore and legends in this lore, and they would stumble upon Freddy. But stuff. I think that it would be cool, kind of like that. But but I think it would be cool if the name because it's, it's still in their town, right? So I think it would be cool if the name Freddy was redacted from all this stuff. And then they finally get a, a a a hold of, they finally get a hold of the real name, so they know that his name is Fred Krueger. They would look into the backstory, and then this would start reigniting people thinking about the character later on. Maybe one of the characters is kind of a wimpy person, you know? They they have nightmares and stuff, and them having nightmares is kind of a casual thing that we talk about earlier on in the script, so it's not a big deal. But because this person starts to be afraid of Freddie not knowing what he you know is who he really was what he really looked like because they redact all this information right so if it's current day they've redacted all of this and they finally get up in touch with with the right people with the right websites and shit and they find out this information so this guy's just dreaming up Freddie essentially and I think what would happen with that is that because he's dreaming up this character Freddy is the person that we see him dream up. So I think that would be really cool to see, to have him kind of come back to life in, in a sense for this thing. Uh, so Freddy is back now. He has new victims he could go after and he wants to keep himself essentially alive by people remembering him. And the best way to do that is to cause fucking panic. So he would start killing these teens. Um, and I think that that's what I would have the character do. I would have a new final girl character that's not related to Nancy so that we have a new person to follow. And I think it would be cool to follow this person throughout their life. Um, I would at least want to do two movies. I'm sure three would probably be the way that I would go, but I would want all new stuff. And as far as who I would cast for Freddy, I'm not really sure. Like, there are some people that I think could look the part, but I don't remember all of their names, to be honest with you. One of them, his name is Richard Brake, I think is his name, and he's been in some Rob Zombie shit. He was in, um, I'm trying to think of the last movie I saw him in. He was, have you seen, fuck. You remember Rob Zombie's Halloween 2? I actually fucking hate that movie. But the beginning of that movie, when... Uh, when when Michael kills those two people in the ambulance, do you remember that scene? Yes. Uh, no, it's not the ambulance. It's um. Isn't yeah, it is like it a, paramedic a hearse thing? It? No, it's it's like you know what I mean. I like, it was it's par- dead by their trans. I guess it is an ambulance. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pa- it's paramedics. It's the guy that that cusses way too much yeah, in I know that scene. That's just say fuck. Yeah, I mean, I think he would look the part enough to do that. There's another actor I know, uh, his name's Mark Pellegrino, I think. He's the guy who played Lucifer and Supernatural. I would look at him. I would look at Kevin Bacon probably, cause he could probably do the role. I wouldn't have Freddie making a whole lot of jokes, by the way, this would be more so uh, Nightmare One version of Freddie where he doesn't crack, he's not MTV Freddie at this point. So he's actually scary. I would look at him. I would look at Walton Goggins. The guy who was in Vice Principals and uh, Predator, that That's guy. That's an interesting casting. I would look Vice Principal guy. Yeah, I would look to him. Yeah, yeah. I would look at him for sure. I would look at pros- possibly Adam Driver. He has a big ass nose, but I think 
that could work because um, he's not a bad actor. I actually like him. Um, I I see, I, I've noticed him, a lot of. I mean, I, I mean, he probably wouldn't do it, but like, I'm just giving you the, the people vice principal that guy is intriguing person. though. Yeah, he's he's my number one pick right the, now. I would say he, his build actually might fit too. Yeah, he's definitely my number one pick right now. Um, I wouldn't want somebody famous that's already done a horror character like Bill Skarsgård. Like, I wouldn't want him to do it just because he's Pennywise to me now. So I wouldn't worry about that. And I wouldn't want to get somebody that has a giant build either. So like Tom Hardy, somebody like him, he's too big. Um, if I, I got it. So my, my main choices for Freddy would be Walton Goggins, the guy from Vice Principals, Mark Pellegrino, the guy who was Lucifer in Supernatural. And then um, there's two other actors, Jamie, whatever, Bauer, I think his name. He's the guy who played Vecna. I would ask him to do it for mm. sure. Okay, we've he, already seen I would him put him Freddy. up there too. Oh, yeah. the Mark we, guy from Supernatural. That's um, Rita's husband from Dexter. Yes, yes. Okay, yes. I know who you're talking about now. Yeah, he, he's a great villain. I could totally see him pulling it off as I long as Vecna up there. I didn't give Vecna's him a whole actor. lot of... I'd put him right there with Vice yeah, Yes, Walton Goggins and the guy that plays Vecna, Jamie Campbell, I think is his name. Those are my two top choices. I mean, and then I gotta go for like above an, him though. I can Just see that. he's already played a character would do very it. similar. I mean, I would ask him. I would totally try to get him to do it. Um, and then another actor that I would ask to do it, who is like an obvious choice, would be Willem Dafoe. Wait, who? Willem Dafoe. Oh. Hmm. He's a little older though. If you're doing, I could totally. Yeah, but he could fucking do it though. Like, I mean, look what he just did for Spider Man. He wanted, he he wanted to do all the stunts that we let him do and shit. I would totally ask him to do it. I know that the acting would be on point. The facial expressions, even with the makeup, would be on point. The voice would be on point. Like he could totally fucking do it. Um, so those are my top three choices for sure to to play him. We and if I was really down though. bad, yeah, I mean. That's what I, the thing is. Like, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do it my way. I don't want to have a shit ton of ties to Wes Craven because you're not gonna please anybody doing that. So I would wanna, I would wanna take that out. Now I would name characters after Wes for sure. I would dedicate the movie to Wes Craven and his family for sure. Um, I would do everything in my power to make this was, but I would want to keep this movie as creepy as possible. So remember in the original Nightmare on Elm Street when you see Nancy in the schools dreaming and she sees Tina's dead body being drugged in the body bag? Huh? You remember that scene? Do what? I'm sorry, what? Did you hear anything I just said? Uh, you're breaking <laughs> so, up a little bit. What? I'm sorry, what was that? So in the original Nightmare on Elm Street film, the, there's a scene where Nancy is dreaming in school when she goes back to class and you see... Tina's dead body being drugged in the body bag. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want the movie to have that feeling throughout. I want it to feel like that, the atmosphere be like that throughout. So the dream sequences are what we really focus on. I want nice sets. I want the lighting to be perfect. I want Freddy to pretty much be in darkness for most of the film. I don't want a bunch of scenes of him out in the day. Uh, I don't want a lot of scenes of him in the sun because that's not what Freddy is. Freddy haunts your dreams and not your good dreams. He haunts your nightmares. So I want the nightmare scenes in this film to really feel like such. 
So that's what I would be focusing on in this film for sure. And I would need an actor like Walter, uh, Walter Goggins, uh, an actor like Mark Pellegrino, an actor like uh, Jamie Campbell to pull this off because I know that they could be creepy in those scenes if they need to be. So that would, I would have the atmosphere would be there. Obviously Freddie would have his fedora. He would have the messed up teeth. He would have the scraggly voice for sure that we would punch up after the after effects for sure. Um, he would have the same sweater and the dusty brown pants and the dusty ass looking boots. And of course he would have his famous claw glove. Of course, we like you can't not have Freddie without that. I, I would absolutely want that. But I would want to showcase Freddie's powers in this film and not just telekinesis and popping up in your dreams and cracking jokes. Like I would want to show you what Freddie can do in these films. So that's what I would do 100%. Okay. And no, they do not kill Freddy at the end of the movie. Not because I think Freddy is like a god or anything, but as long as there is a person out there who knows who Freddy is and they get a, they get scared and have nightmares, they dream about that's him. That's what makes it hard to kill him. That's power. why I had trouble having a, a distinctive way to, to kill him because as long as someone remembers him, yeah. he's always technically alive. And that's what I was going to tell you in the first movie and second movie, because I'm going to do three. So in the first two movies, you can't kill him in these movies. You can subdue him. You can trap him. You can forget him. We're definitely going to introduce, reintroduce Hypnosil to this film, to these films. And that's how they keep it going. And then in the last film, uh, the third one, I think we would kill him in the last one and he would go to hell. And that's in that one, just kind of like, kind of like he did. And Jason goes to hell. You would actually see the process of Freddie going to hell. I think would be the best. But uh, that's how I would do those movies, man. And uh, that's you it. You definitely me. put some thought into that. Yeah, man. I did. You got me on the spot. I don't know. I'm partial to Robert England, but I do like the Vecna guy possibly as cast. Like, I can actually picture him, if done right, as a pretty decent Freddy. That's going to be hard. Yeah. Like, regardless of who gets cast, I'm going to be really peculiar about. Just because, I don't know. I tend to always lean to the originals. But that is... Uh, not a bad, not a bad uh, idea. But that's going to do it for this episode, boys and girls. We are done. We've talked about everything. And, uh, yeah, if you'd like your question to be featured on Last Call, hit us up on guildedguildedgg slash pack. We would love to answer your question, have it featured on a podcast. There's also channels in there for socials where you can connect with us on social media, episode chat, topic suggestions, show us your drinks, and Last Call questions as well as Sinister Tales where you can post personal stories or stuff you found on the Internet to be on the Sinister Tale segment. Uh, you can find Sipping With Sin on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Sipping With Sin, S-I-P-P-I-N, with sin. Go follow us. Go say hello to us. You can drop your last call questions on any of those socials. Just DM us and let us know. Slide in those DMs. Hit us up with, uh, you know, suggestions, last call questions, Sinister Tales, whatever. Uh, every episode comes out on Wednesdays, 8 a.m. Central Time, on all podcast platforms that i know of uh apple spotify google podcast overcast anchor.fm all that stuff 8 a.m every wednesday central time 8 a.m wednesdays central time you can also watch the video version on my youtube youtube.com slash i am sinister 8 a.m central time wednesdays same thing go subscribe go show some love over there you can uh we love to hear comments on that as well you can find me on my social medias twitter instagram i am sinister tv Find me live streaming on Twitch, twitch.tv slash I am Sinister TV, Facebook gaming, fb.gg slash I am Sinister TV, and TikTok at I am Sinister TV. Live stream on all those. Come hang on the stream, say hello. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Would love to uh, drop a follow, say hello. I'm from the podcast. And yeah, 
Christian, where can the lovely folks find you to talk to you? You guys can find me on all the socials at Vin and Ink. That's all one word, V-E-N-I-N-D-I-N-K, A-N-D-I-N-K, excuse me, can't spell today. Uh, and if you can't find me there, you can just find me by searching my name, Christian. That's where you guys can find me. I don't have a whole lot of social media because contrary to probably believe, I don't like social media that much. That's right. And that's going to do it for this episode. We'll see you guys next week. we got some fun stuff to talk about next week, Dahmer and more. And uh, Chucky. We'll talk about Chucky, the Chucky series. But appreciate you all. Thanks for listening. If you listen this far, you're a real one. Don't forget, rate five stars, subscribe, follow, all that good stuff. Continue to share the podcast. Let's keep it growing. Keep those numbers going up. Let's move up those charts. Appreciate you all. Christian, shut it down. It's time to go home. Thank you all for tuning in to yet another episode of Sipping with Sin. Be sure to leave a five-star review, smash that like button, and leave your recommendations in the comment section below. But most importantly, guys, don't get gutted. See you guys next time so much for tuning in to another episode of Sipping with Sin. Please don't forget to leave a rating and submit your last call questions to our socials. That's at Sipping with Sin everywhere. And if you want to hit us up personally, you could find me at Vin and Ink. That is V-E-N and Ink or I am Sinister TV for the Sinister Man himself. And guys, don't get gutted.